Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And welcome to a piece of cake as we wait for Abdurrahim to join us. He was here a moment ago, inshallah. And we have an interesting topic again, as always. And first and foremost, we apologize for the slight delay in time and coming on. And it actually speaks to the subject. Um, it actually speaks to the subject we're going to be talking about. Is public speaking a piece of cake? Um, many have asked Abdurrahim, many ask me regarding public speaking, giving dawah, speaking to people publicly. And um, it has its um, pros, it has its cons. Uh, the challenges are there, um, right down to us looking at our intentions, right down to delivering and the different contexts and environments that we deliver in. Um, right down to the expectations of those who are listening to us and listening to public speaker, speakers, um, yeah. listening to scholars, listening to students of knowledge, listening to callers, da'is. And in all of that, um, expectations of how such people are supposed to be. Um, and in every instance, I would say, first and foremost, those who are public speaking, um, are not perfect. Um, those who are public speaking as well should hold that what they say counts. It's very, very important um, that what they're saying um, is measured and that they have an understanding of the context in which they are speaking. Um, what, again, what public speakers say counts. Okay. And again, public speakers are far from perfect. And here is my beloved brother, Abdurrahim in the light so there he is abdurrahim green and there is dr abdul huck baker and this is a piece of cake so abdurrahim in introducing this yeah jump in my brother yeah, public so, speaking. yeah so we're asking is it a piece of cake yeah is it is it easy and i think we'll, we should probably say this every week yeah is that anything's easy if allah makes it easy for you right obviously if allah makes it easy it's easy right um, but one of the things, I mean, I've been asked this question quite a few times, quite a few times, like, how do I get to be a public speaker like you? How do I get to be a public speaker like Dr. Zaki Knight? How do I get to be a public speaker like, um, you know, uh, Hussein Yi or, you know, Siraj Wahaj or whoever, right? It may be Abdul Haq Baker, right? Or whoever, right? How do I get to be a public speaker? So, I thought that would be really interesting as both of us have got experience in this right from obviously back in the days. Yeah. And uh, and I think, you know, you, you, bro, have a, you know, I mean, you you speak publicly in arena that would quite frankly, I, I've only done it a few times and I find it quite intimidating. Right? <laughs> and that is speaking in front of, you know, academics, professionals, business people. Right. Um, I, thought, I definitely found that I, I've done it a few times and I found that really much more intimidating than, say, for example, going down to Leicester Square or giving a khutbah in Brixton mm. Mosque or, you know, or, or like what we're doing now. Right. Um, I mean, I've taught I, I've given speeches in front of literally thousands, 40,000 people, I think maybe even more. Right. Um, I think Zaki Mike's given talks to two million people. I mean, this is live. These are live talks with people in front of you. Right. 
<laughs> you know, um, so those are some pretty massive crowds. But it's funny how you know, you, you know, you you can find different things intimidating. But I think but, it's a worth. Yeah. I think it's a question worth talking about to those people who are asking that question. How do I become a public speaker? So, I think it'd be really interesting for us to go into what are some of the pros and some of the cons, right? Uh, what are some of the you know the perks of doing it? And I think you know we could start maybe just by that famous saying that more people are afraid of public speaking than they are of death. Mm, right? This is a well-known statistic. Right, like right. People are more afraid of public speaking than they are of death. Right. So that as maybe a good point to to start on, bro. How did you yourself? How did you, bro, get beyond that like that terror? of standing you know up in yeah. front of people and possibly making yourself look like an idiot. Bro, you, of course, you had a career, didn't you? In, in like, before you were Muslim, you were in a rap group and you were, you were heading places in the rap scene, weren't you, bro? So that's very public. So how did you get into that? How did you overcome, like, I think everyone has that natural shine, shyness. So where did it come from, good, bro? Good, good is question. Is Brixton beef? What, what is it, bro? <laughs> You know, that's a good point, Abdi. Now, mashallah, I, I wasn't, um, I was a spokesman for SWS, mashallah, like would represent um, from a from a spokesman point of view, from well, a managerial point of view. For, bro? It stood for Southwest Syndicate, and as we became more mm -hmm. conscious, strength within strength. And alhamdulillah, right. the vast majority of us became Muslim, mashallah, to barakallah. So for us now, it wasn't for those who were rappers, mashallah, because there was a conviction in the message that was there, they were able to rap. Um, I wouldn't say that I, I wasn't a rapper. I, as I said, I was a spokesman in that sense mm -hmm. there, so represent, representing the group. And that spokesman thing came from a necessity because it was representing the group when we were about to kick off in fights, in violence. There'd be one or two of us speaking with the, the, uh, the yeah. opposition. And you yeah. had to really realize and mentally um, um, contextualize, okay, is this one where we're going to kick off? It's very tense. Everyone's there, ready to go off and everything. And you could either ignite it or you could quell it and dissipate it. So yeah. from, from my perspective, speaking and also in front of the police when it was on top with the police arrests and thrown into the back of the van and you knew and you're, you're being pressured and you're, we don't snitch. We don't do it. So knowing how to speak under pressure is where that mm. came. That became, that became a way of life, but I'm going to jump yeah. forward, fast forward. I'm doing again. It wasn't. Can I just ask bro? Like, yeah. you know, when you like, when you're brought up, um, when you were being like raised by your family, you know, like in your family environment, or that you know, dare I say, is there something, um, you know, is there something in your culture, right? Is there something in the I don't know how you know Afro Caribbean, no, Guyana, whatever your background. African, is, right? African, Caribbean, African. Is there something in that culture that you know, like people feel more comfortable to speak up? They feel more comfortable to vocalize how they feel about things, right? I'm just thinking about the psychology of why people might find speaking out in public intimidating. How was it in you? How were you brought up as a kid? Did your mum and dad let you express your opinions? You know, how about in your school, stuff like that? Was that something that was there uh, from we, the beginning? We, we, were, we were allowed to express our opinions. I remember the first um, thing that I did as, or as encouraged a child. Even, yeah, yeah uh, no, the, 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 as, a, as a child, um, I remember that I was encouraged to take part in some of the school plays. 
Um, mm. And there was the, um, the, play, the as I remember the first one was being, a, being the king, doing, ready to what do were an you, assembly. What were you, bro? Othello, yeah? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I wish, I wish. But no, it was, it was about a king and queen. And the king wanted, um, he was missing an ingredient, of milk, and, and he became very grumpy. And, and they liked how yeah. um, I expressed myself. And that was in assembly in front of um, peers. And that was quite nerve-wracking. But it yeah. wasn't such, I think, for us and our background, there was, with black people generally, there's a resilience, okay? And that resilience isn't only physical. That yeah. resilience is all in how you express yourself and to mm -hmm. hide any fears or apprehension or nervousness that's actually there. And I grew yeah. up like that. You don't show fear in the culture that we, we come from. So that's how you were able to, if it, if it wasn't violence, it was articulating yourself verbally. And that still takes place mm -hmm. today. When you look at grime, when you look at the music scene and the rap scene and everything like that. It's there's, a whole, there's a whole thing there. And you, you look at people like, I mean, you look at the old, those, you look at Siraj Wahaj, Malcolm X, um, you know, um, Khalid Yassin. I mean, these guys, obviously Martin Luther King from, you know, the Christian perspective, but like, from the Muslim perspective, I mean, these guys are some of the most powerful dynamic speakers right, that right. you'll ever hear in yeah. the English language, right? Yeah. Um, incredibly that, powerful. But why? Also, you've got to remember, there, there's, a, there's a place of yeah. resistance, resilience, pain yeah. okay and when speaking um often these uh, orators speak on behalf of a people they articulate the pain or the passion or the aspirations of a people mm. and so when you're doing that knowing that you've got that resonance with these people knowing that you're feeling what these people um are feeling um then then you speak Badri is saying sometimes it's better not to speak absolutely right and you'll see sometimes there are silent marches and protests but Abdurrahim, i want to give you an thing. for me i didn't go out saying right i want to speak and i want it, it was because of the circumstances being faced yeah. and one of the you're saying about the fear i'll tell you what really hit me after 9 11 and when the shoe bomber um, event came about and I yeah. naively did a, an interview because I saw they were ready to converge. And they did a silhouette. I said, if you're going to interview me, do a silhouette of my, my um, picture, my image. I don't want anyone to know who I am. Very naively. But I didn't yeah. know that this was going to be the story of the day. And on Boxing yeah. Day, 26th of December, 2001, after the story broke of Richard Reed, the shoe bomber, um, after the following 9-11, I got phone calls. As I was coming to the mosque, brothers called me and said, you need to get to the mosque. We've got the media converging on us. And I'd mm -hmm. get there. And I'd have a reporter come straight to me and he says, right, you are now speaking live to 25 million people uh, across North, of, uh, North America. Then someone yeah. else would call me and we've got 150 million people you're going out to live. This is live. And there was no yeah. preparation. Absolutely no preparation. So again, yeah. that was pressure. But what made me be able to speak was the conviction that we are upon the truth, that we are right, and I need to clarify Okay, I need to clarify what is Islam, what is the Sunnah, yeah. and I need to distinguish what it is from extreme extremism. So that fear was there. But coming back, you mentioned something in the beginning. I'm going to pass it back to you. What is a fearful um, element for you is not necessarily a fearful element for me. You mentioned like yeah. Brixton. You were one of the regulars at Brixton, mashallah. Yeah. You gave yeah. fantastic hookers. I was a regular at Brixton. But mm. I will say to you that, that doing the hookah at Brixton, you've got other... Um, Duat and other speakers who said the same thing I said, standing on the mimbar in Brixton has got to be the most, one of the most tense chuppas ever. Why? 
because you know when you're standing there and you've got mm -hmm. a South London community, okay, yeah. listening to your every word, and you yeah. know that that chutba is going to spread. It will go viral, as we would say back yeah. in those days, as you say now. That will go viral with a cassette mm. or whatever the moment you uh, you finish that chutba. Um, if it's something that is happening in the wider community, um, you could inspire or galvanize a movement of Muslims to enact whatever you're saying in that instance, as has been happening. You know, I delayed the prayer sometimes and we rushed off to an estate to go and represent and defend and fight the police or take mm. over police station foyer and that for me my thobe used to be wet even in the heart of winter <laughs> after doing the khutbah in yeah. brixton mosque i mean funnily enough i never found giving a khutbah in brixton mosque intimidating i felt i felt i was amongst like friends and brothers and, absolutely uh, i don't know i felt very comfortable there i mean the funnily enough like the place i I felt terrified always. Now people may find this shocking, right? Because especially the people who've seen videos of me in Speaker's Corner, but um, like, bro, it was literally when I went down to Speaker's Corner, I think probably almost every single time I would find a place to park my car, you know, around the back of between Oxford Street and Park Lane. Yeah. Pick up my ladder. Actually, I had this ladder or these ladders that I had. I'd pick it up, put it on my shoulder and start walking. And my heart is beating and it's literally run, run, like, <laughs> run back to the car. Like it's literally the fight or flight response. You are literally like, you know, and the way I got through it was I would just make this dua, right? I would, I would, you know, the dua that you say, um, Allahumma ahdani. Imami Nuran, wa khalfi Nuran, wa al-yamini Nuran, right? So, wa shimali Nuran, wa tahdi Nuran, yeah? So, oh Allah, put light in front of me, put light behind me, put light above me, put light below me, right? And I always remember that, that ayah, you know, the truth has come and the falsehood. But, and as I would get closer and closer to the hub, you know, where everyone was shouting and the noise and you get there, and it's like it gets more and more scary, you know? And then you see the brothers and it's like, oh, you're here, Abdurrahim. And it's like, no, <laughs> it doesn't help that much. And but then you know what would happen, bro? I would stand up and I would start that in Alhamdulillah. Again, this was sort of like gets me. So like people, like I guess like a part of advice for people who are doing public speaking, I think it's good to have some sort of this is the beauty of the the khutbah the khutbah al haja right? In Alhamdulillah, Nahmaduhu, Nastainuhu, Nastaghfiru, wa Naudu Bilahi min Shuroori Alfusina wa Min Sayyidi Alhamdulillah. Right, and you'd start that, and I'd say it in Arabic, right? Um, but no one knows what I'm saying. But I guess for me, like it worked as a sort of um, just getting you in the zone. You know, like athletes, when you hear about athletes before they're on a race, yeah, right? They have this routine that they go through, this very strict routine because it gets their mind in that place. So, but I, you know, and alhamdulillah, once I, once I was up and speaking, it was, I was in a different zone. I was in a different plane. And I still really don't know how I said the stuff that I said, right? I would come down thinking, how did I say all of that? How did that? I have no idea still, like, I have no technique, no whatever, you know, uh, I, I can't. I mean, you know, apart from things, I think that 
you do need to be prepared. Like I didn't use to prepare my talks as such in terms of, oh, today I'm going to talk about this and this. Mm. But being prepared in terms of knowing the subject matter that you are yes. talking about, right? And knowing it deeply and intimately, right? And knowing the sorts of stuff, especially in Speaker's Corner, what you are going to be confronted with, right? You know, after a couple of years, it's the same old, same old. Like, very rarely does someone come with something new, right? I remember when Joseph Smith came, that was a shock, right? Jay Smith, because he just came with some stuff like no one had heard before. It was like, what is going on? Yeah. But apart from that, yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely found, and I think I always say that, you know, a lot of people think that Speaker's Corner is not a great place for Dower, and I might agree um, with them, but it is a really, really good training ground for public speaking because I reckon if you could speak there, confidently you could probably speak just about anywhere and maybe that's another reason why i didn't used to find like brixton super intimidating but it's funny um, because you you saying that um yeah. i wouldn't say brixton was intimidating what i mean is that it's, you've the got their, their yeah. expectations then the consequences but for me yeah. you were the one who got me in and invited me to come to speaker's corner i didn't yeah. find it um uh tense in that particular they, way they, I there think. you go look at that i didn't find it yeah because i knew yeah. when i got when i got up there for me, just like Leicester Square, I yeah. like being in the moment, you know, when you're you're really calling people and you know that everything you're saying in the moment there, you you maybe you've planned, but you haven't planned for everything. And Abdurrahim, one yeah. of the things that you and I, I believe Allah's blessed us with is that we can go with the flow. Abu Sufi yeah. is good with that as well. You yeah, go yeah, with the flow good. and the circumstances. But as you said, you said, okay, yes, I've got I've delivered lectures, United Nations, um, governments and everything. And Octavia mm. just mentioned something there when speaking to judges and other lawyers and everything. And because it's a nuanced and specific field that you're speaking in, as you mm. said, you need to know what you're talking about. You need to be prepared in that, that instance. You cannot wing it, as yeah. we say, when you're speaking in those particular circumstances. And I, sometimes you can with the knowledge that you, you've already acquired and that you've learned. But you could be the best lawyer. You could be the best um, public speaker in the yeah. field of speaking to governments and everything. But when you're speaking about policy, when you're speaking about strategy, when you're speaking to lawmakers, policymakers, yeah. judges... You need to make sure that everything you're saying is in its place. There's no um, yeah. wiggle room, as it were, um, where you can start adding and fluffing and, and faffing about or anything like that. That's very, very important in that way. But as you said, the dua in the, be the beginning, the khutbat al-hajjah, when I would mm. come out of Brixton to speak to the, the media that was waiting, I would make the, um, the dua that was said before the battle between Jalut and um, um, uh, um, uh, yeah. David and Goliath and Rabbana Afrigalena Sabran Wathabit I used to come out with that because I need to be able to have some sort of strength. But the dua is very, very important. Yeah. Now, though, Abdurrahim, okay, people have egos, okay? Yeah. That's one thing. But what I find is the speaking and the dawa and the public okay, speaking so what, that we what did was then, that comment, bro? I think you just missed out maybe the most important thing. So you said people have egos, that's one thing. Um, that's what so, I'm coming to. I'm what, coming to that. So what I, mean by, what I mean by that is when you yeah. look at when we were giving the dawa, yeah. okay, compared to now, there were egos then. Clearly there were egos then. 
Right. But not to not to the extent that I, I feel and detect now where, as we've, we've spoken about it before, where there's that drive for likes, there's that drive for po popularity. And why do I say that? Yeah. You and I, we hit the beat and track and I'm not speaking against social media, but you and me will travel around the country and we yeah. did not know what audience would be waiting for us. Often it was hundreds, as you know. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it wasn't. Hardly anyone. Some, yeah. Hardly anyone. But we yeah. would still give the dawah with the same gusto, with the same commitment, if it was half, even less than that, even a handful. I mean, you can argue the same, bro. Like anyone starting out doing a podcast or doing stuff on social media, you know, they may have like no likes at all, bro. They may have almost no one listening to them, you know, 10 people, 20 people, right? So it's the same thing. It's not necessarily everyone on social media has immediately got, you know, 100,000 followers or something like that, bro. So it's still like the struggle is still real, whether you're doing it on social media. I think the real difference is like when you're live, the people are in front of you, right? Right. Right. And, you know, their reactions are, you know, you're dealing with live people. Right. I, I think. But I don't know. Still, I guess on social media, I think even uh, from what I read and talk about people who, you know, are personalities on social media. I mean, they struggle. I know, for example, you know, um, I know a brother. I won't mention his name, but again, he was very prominent debating atheism on social media, became like really, really well known for it and was very good, extraordinarily good um but uh he really struggled with the negative comments right he he especially struggled with um because he's a very loving sort of kind guy right so he really struggled with uh like negative comments um you know um he really struggled with it he found it really really draining and emotionally wrecking um but that's you know, not so, a surprise Abdurahim, because we see yeah. Allah speaks about this um, regarding the Prophet Sallallahu yeah. um the way he was um uh, castigated chastised by yeah. his own people this is the Prophet of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi we know that the ulama um uh, get this um it's not it's not nice when I was being slandered um and yeah. all sorts of things have been saying oh, after we've 99, been, 99, I 99 we've both been through that as well haven't we bro yeah. it's painful it's painful yeah. And but, sometimes but, the crazy thing is, bro, when it's happening, I, I, maybe we're talking about the same group of people, but when it's happening at the hands of people who used to call themselves your friends, right? Like these are people you'd expect are your Muslim brothers who would pick up the phone and say, you know, Abdul Haq, bro, listen, you've been saying this and that, you know, this is not right. You, you know, this is not correct Islamically or whatever, right? But, you know, when you get to hear about it, it's like, oh, I went to some conference and these guys were saying this and this and this about you, right? It's like, well, what the like, what the hell? Why didn't these guys speak to me first before you? Right, like, right. Well, you understand? Um, it's some of that that's from is, jealousy as well, Abdurrahim. Yeah, um, and, bro, and it's disguised. It's, it's, from it's disguised. From the personal perspective, right? Of like of how you take it. Do you understand? It's for very, me, very difficult, bro. Very, you know, very Abdurrahim, look, as I said, I was I was dragged through a hedge backwards after I made a stance. And as I told you, when you've got 25 million people listening to you, 100 million here, yeah. um, and you 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 you've not been trained for public speaking. Yeah, and and you're, speaking, from, you're speaking. You're speaking from what you say, and they twist it. I yeah, mean, you're speaking from speaking from conviction, as yeah. you said. I've I've had individuals come to me 18 years later, 18 yeah. years later, and they said, "I want to apologise to you." What you said, you were ahead of the curve. 
um, we didn't see what you were seeing at the time. And I'm like, well, I didn't know that you were saying this stuff. There were people, um, uh, those who were once um, on the extreme path, they would come back to me and say, we didn't meet, we didn't believe what we we're saying about you, but the only way we could hurt you was using street vernacular to, and it, and it was, um, it, it could distract you. For me now, Abdurrahim, I don't really, I've, personally, I look at what I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to convey, and that's what I'm focused upon. So I don't look at the negativity in some of the comments and everything like that. And I know my old background comes back sometimes because I've gone on some of the, the websites or whatever, and I've written a thing said, if you're if what you're saying is true, please bring it to me. Let's meet privately, bring 10 yeah, people, yeah. I'll sit here, give me your comment. And that's like, I'll look at, look at Abdul Haki's coming back to his thug days or whatever. As you know, the, the, the pen is mightier than the sword. You know, the yeah. tongues are sharper than sharper the sword than in that swords. instance. Yeah, in that yeah. instance. Well, so that, 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 that's right. So that does yeah. that can be painful. But for me, and my advice to others, is that if you have a conviction about what you are speaking about and speaking to, you cannot be... And you've got to make sure you're not looking for comments and... Um, f favor and likes and everything like that. Personally, Abdurrahim, this is me. I'm not yeah, interested. You're absolutely I'm right. not interested. I mean, I'm not I interested guess, in that. You know, yeah, I guess the first thing that we would always advise people, right, who want to, you know, who feel they want to become, you know, public speakers, or I guess these days the equivalent is YouTubers or influencers or whatever. And I guess we're talking about people who are doing this from an Islamic perspective, right? Um, and I think it's great. I think it's good. I really encourage people to do it. You know, if, you, if you've got something like valuable, not just for the sake. I mean, the first thing is don't go down this path just because you think you're going to be famous and people are going to adulate, you know, adore you and love you and like, yeah. and, and, you know, you've got nothing, right? You know, your, your, your speech is as boring as, you know, cricket, um, you know, as watching cricket or paint dry is about the same thing, watching paint dry and watching cricket. Um, sorry, just <laughs> Be careful of cricket um, support you know, like, here. So, no, seriously, like, you know, but 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 I think the first thing is sincerity. That's where you got to start. you gotta, you got to spend a lot of time really thinking about, am I doing this for Allah? Am I doing this for the sake of Allah? Or is it because I want to be, you know, I want to be famous. I want to be some personality. Because you imagine that in that path of fame is some route to happiness. And no, like it's a route to responsibility, That's right. right? It's a route to greater responsibility. And like we've discussed at least one of the downsides, like a few of the downsides, number one, right, is people are going to hate on you. Are you sure you can take it? That's right. right? Are you sure you can take the hate? Because unless you're just going to say some bland nonsense that will offend no one, and which, by the way, will not get you anywhere, really, because no one wants to listen to bland right. nonsense, right? People, they thrive. They want the bit of controversy, right? Controversy, right? So um, you're going to get hate. You yeah. are going to get hate. Right, right. right. Um, you know, even in this podcast and a few of our podcasts, we got some, we got some uh, some comments, right? So that's the first thing you're going to get the hate. Can you can you take it, right? Um, and then can you take um, the studying that you need to do, like the like because that's what you need to do if you're going to speak right. about something. You need to know the subject. You need to exactly. study it. You exactly. need to put in the time, reading and studying and watching and learning, right? Or else what are you just doing? You're just waffling. You're just a waffler. Exactly. 
Yeah, and so some, else, some, are the some, some are here what, for edutainment. What are the other downsides of the hut, bro? No, the other downsides is that you yeah. are now looking, you're not looking at dawa, you're looking at edutainment, okay? And that's what's happening. You're, you are here, you are an entertainer, and you're using the dean to entertain, okay? Because every Tom, Dick, and Harry now is in there giving smatterings of what he believes is knowledge, and he's not grounded in that particular knowledge. And we've seen that. We've seen that in social media. We've seen that in lectures. Um, and That's so fine, bro. Like, even you could say our stuff back in the day, rap to reality and stuff like that, bro. It was entertaining. We made it entertaining. No, we no, that's different. No, Abdurrahim. Why there's is different it different? From, there's different from delivering a lecture that is entertaining. And there's something that's different in entertainment in itself. We have come, okay, and we are entertainers. We were speaking about our lives. We were speaking about what brought us to Islam. We were okay, speaking okay. about factors. So others don't, and we're not, that's different from individuals saying, let me bring some props and use smatterings of Islam mm. to grab people's attention. Those are two totally different things, Abdurrahim. Two right, totally right, different right. things. So mm -hmm. my thing now, there's that aspect. I think some of the downside with regards to speaking publicly, okay, is how it can affect you um, in your private life, you don't say, so as you know, we got really, really busy in that instance. Also, the expectations of but the yes, people. Let's give some examples, bro. Let's talk about that. Like, what, because okay, I think that's but, interesting, right? So, right, so Abraham, what, you what and was I. your personal experience in terms of your time, your private life, being a public speaker? What did it involve, bro? Let people know. Let, okay, let's, let's give, let's, what, give them the a more, Let's give them a taste. Like, I remember okay, you and me, the more bro, popular, traveling back, coming 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, driving through the snow and the rain and like, what? And as you know, no, good point, Abdurrahim. So that's is that. I've always maintained my career, okay? Um, it's something that I always felt very strongly about, that like, I was in the legal profession, as you knew. Yeah. So, okay, I ended up starting having to take time off work, getting back late, everything. Then also it started impacting on family life, in the sense yeah. that I was away from home a lot of the time, okay? Yeah. Um, and I know that that, I'd say, when I had more than one wife, that impacted on that in that particular sense. And even when I started traveling internationally to do United Nations conferences, speaking to policymakers and everything yeah. like that. So it impacted on me in that particular way where I would have wanted more time um, for myself and for my family in that instance. And yeah. as you know, remember, Abdurrahim, you remember that clearly. I didn't know you'd remember. Remember one, I took off a complete year. I said to you one year, I'm not yeah. doing this anymore. And yeah. I just stopped. I, I said, remember, no you mentioned that before in a previous podcast. And remember Abu Muntasir, bro, I think he, you know, he was another person who, um, you know, may Allah reward him for all the good that he has done. Um, you know, he's someone I mean, who, you know, like in the gym ass days, right? Um, you know, the good old days. Yeah. They were good old days. They were, they were. But they had some, you know, they had some downsides, but there was a lot of good stuff. At least there was no hanky-panking around with some nonsense, right? But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, the, this guy, I wouldn't say, was what, um, fairly senior management in British Telecom, yeah? Um, and yet he was travelling up and down the country, not just on the weekends, literally his weekend was from every weekend, he would be going up and down the country, right. one circle to the next right. circle to the next circle, and not just only on the weekends, he was doing this as well, in the week. even on the weekdays. That's right. Um, and um, yeah, he had what double, triple, but heart bypass, he yes, had to have, right? Yeah, the sh and also on top of that, running the organization, yeah. Um, I mean, myself. 
I remember like for me, um, bro, it was like, I, I, you know, like there were these moments where Alhamdulillah, like working for Alan Saar was a real moment of relief for me. But I remember those many of those years that I spent and I don't regret it. Not one single little bit. No, but you know, my wife probably remembers more than me, right? From the point of view of how tough it was for us financially, right? Um, because, yeah, I mean, there was, we weren't charging money for it. No. And people might, you know, people might pay for our travel expenses. And I say might, I mean, that's just like, you'd think that's given, right? It wasn't, it wasn't a given. People wouldn't even pay your travel expenses. It wasn't right? a given, You're that's right. Out of your own pocket. And um, yeah, and, and and like if you're doing this like I was, it was like super intense. So I was probably like, but I didn't, I was not like Abu Munsi or you, you know, I didn't have like a regular, regular job, right? Except maybe when I was working at Alan Saar and then, you know, Alan Saar let me do that, you know, do that stuff. So did the London Central Mosque, right? They still let me give my talks and lectures. But otherwise, bro, it was like mini cabbing, painter decorating, selling my trying to sell my videos to make ends meet right sometimes mm. just surviving on the dole and you know like housing benefit and that you know that is survival rations even then it was survival rations right right and so yeah i mean that you know to, to be full time on the circuit you know it, it and was you, and really you, really uh, tough kudos, kudos tough. to you abrahim mashallah to Rafa. you yeah. you have been on the circuit full-time Allah barak mm -hmm. and i and i appreciate that um, in you and and it and it takes a sacrifice and if anyone thought that you were doing it as i said for entertainment okay you, yeah. you would have stopped a long time ago so that's what i'm saying entertainment is different from being entertaining in the way that you engage with the people with two totally different things in that instance. Yeah, so what you're yeah, saying yeah. is what you're saying is right in that instance. I think that we put in the work, my brother, and I'm not blowing our own trumpet. We put in the work in the nineties. Mm -hmm. Those of us who were do doing the Dawah, as you said, Abu Muntazir, when Abu Muntazir, we used to meet in circle uh, Abu Ali's in East London sometimes. Mm -hmm. And we networked with come four about eight, nine cars of us. If you remember, we'd stay yeah. overnight and Abu Muntazir, right. Abdurrahim, you're going up to Middlesbrough. Abdurrahim, you're going in this direction. And we would hit the road after Fajr with the brothers who were with us. Brilliant times, yeah. exciting. And we'd be going, the brothers would be driving. We wouldn't even be, we would have planned what talk we want to do for that day. So we'd get no, a ride. Sure. I'm glad you said that, bro. I just thinking, forget even the traveling, planning the, and preparing the talks, right? And to be honest, I think this is what, I mean, in some ways benefited me the most from my own personal tarbiyah. Um, like, bro, remember that was planning the talks without before Google. There were no search engines, no, right? No, you had to read Sahil Bukhari. You had to read. You had to read the Quran over and over. You had yeah. to read Bukhari yeah. and Muslim and read the yeah. Sahihin. You had to read the books that were coming out, right? Uh, we had Dawood Burbank who was, you know, translating for Tower here and there. Like that was some stuff that only we had access to. I think I got some of that stuff still, right? Same here. You yeah. had the Istikhama, you know, like so. The studying we had to do was on a different level, right? It was like you could, you could. The only way you could prepare a talk was by sitting down with those books, bro, and going making notes. And when and, speaking, you know, if you can, for example, you have to phone, you know, exactly. I still got my notes. Abrahim, what is that? Huh? Yeah, 
I've still got my notes, as you know, and I, I shared them in yeah. Chronicles of UK Sullivan. But remember, when yeah. we were speaking, and some of it's still committed to memory now, when we'd be speaking about, for example, the companions and their yeah. work from being on the Sunnah, and we'd be, we're quote Surah and Nisa'at 115, Surah mm. Al, um, Al-Baqarah 143, when we're to- talking about the, the best nation, and um, yeah. if you don't believe us, that we had all of the references on lockdown, understanding them. Um, understanding them and trying to implement them ourselves. So as you know, you're right, writing with pen, our khutbas and going, we didn't have um, social mo- mobile phones or anything to read off or laptops or anything like yeah. that. And so getting up there and the environments that we were in, Abdurrahim, we, we would land in the areas we were des- designated or uh, assigned mm-hmm. to in the morning. And what really excited me, if there was any excitement, even if there was a handful of them, you could see the the expectation in the face of yeah. the young individuals first, hearing the, about the Quran, first, bro, the first yeah, Quran and Sunnah, right? Exactly, and seeing yeah. converts like ourselves, see, yeah. seeing converts, seeing second generation Muslims, seeing us all together. There were drivers with us, those who were driving. There were those who were buying the food. There were those who were just there for the company, and they'd see us all together, and they'd see this solidarity. They see, and that helped with public speaking, Abdurrahim. Okay, yeah. this was like going back to my, my um, back in the day as a, a non-Muslim, when I moved with my gang, my peeps and everything like that, the rappers yeah. had that confidence. When we'd get on stage and, and our, 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 our friends were rapping and you had your posse just there, 15, 20, 30 deep, and they were speaking, and that gave them the confidence. Similarly, when you were at region, um, on, on Speaker's Corner and yeah. you saw your brothers and the rest of the Muslims there nodding in agreement with you, and that gave you yeah. that confidence, that support yeah. in that particular instance, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was necessary, I think, to really deliver the message. Because if you had a completely hostile c- crowd, that yeah. was difficult. And I want to move one thing to you, Abraham. One of the things that used to be off-putting, and some used to try and do that to wrong-foot you as a speaker, us as speakers, and I suppose yeah. that happens now. You're speaking and you're yeah. saying something and you've got the, the crowd engaged, yeah. packed. And then one, somebody gets up and some, one of his friends or someone else in the crowd gets up and they walk off. And yeah. that's quite distracting at the moment because you're mm. seeing them wanting to draw attention I mean, to the whole, fact that they're walking off. There's, there's a whole skill set involved, bro. I mean, like the thing is that, that speaking to an audience like that, and the thing is, it's so interesting you said that because, I, see, what I try to do is really try and connect with the audience, right? I try to have that connection with right. the audience. So all the more, if people just get up and walk out, right, it's like, okay, what am I saying wrong? Why Why is it, like, what is it about what I'm saying that is boring this person or they're not interested, you know? So that that, that stuff is a real, you have to learn to deal with all of that stuff, yeah. right? It's almost like you're feeling your audience to see, are these guys still interested? Are, are they awake? You know, are they listening? Um, I think, you know, it's interesting because you're talking about some, like you were touching on some of the, like, the perks. And I think, I, I guess the greatest thing about, maybe the, 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 you know, the, the, you know, the greatest thing about being a public speaker, right. From the point of view of the good side, right. In fact, probably what is the good side is that, is that you see people change, right. When people yes. take shahadu who are not Muslim or who yes. people who were astray and they start practicing Islam. Right. And then when people say, you know, they say, I listen to your talks. And still today, people like, even today, someone phoned me. I was listening to your talks when I was a kid. You know, you came over to, you know, Canada and you were giving these talks. And right, and mashallah, this person is, you know, on the dean and practicing and doing things for Islam. 
So I think, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, not that you do it for that. You do it no, because no. the huck is the huck and you've got to yeah. tell it whether people like it or not. But I can't lie that, you know, one of the things that helps keep you going and which makes prophets like Ibrahim alayhi salam all the more admirable to think that like almost no one accepted his message. Right? And Noor, yeah. Noor alayhi salam, yeah, 950 Noor. years. How did he just kept going, bro? 950 years. Like, you know, you know, I, I have to admit that, you know, some of the things that keep you going is the fact that people react positively and people change and become Muslim and, you know, follow the sunnah and, you know, abandon their bad ways. But imagine having to just keep on going for all of that time and virtually nobody changing. Right. right? But also, because, and that's the test of sincerity, isn't it, bro? De definitely. Definitely it's a test of sincerity, but also as well, and you you know this as well from yourself, speaking to the non-Muslims, we've got notes, I've got my archives from Al-Ansar, where non-Muslims, where Christians will write in and understand what we were saying and have dialogue yeah. and say, I respect the perspective you're coming from. So not only the Muslims being affected by that, but the non-Muslims hearing you establish principles and the proof mm. that with, with intelligence about what you're upon. So. As, as you said, it's not about um, pleasing the people. It's about yeah. conveying the message. And for me, to be honest, as I've said, if I had to stop tomorrow, and I've been really, I think you know me, if I had to stop tomorrow, mm -hmm. because I thought I'm not, what I'm saying is not re resonating and it's not of benefit. And let's be frank, there are far more better speakers, knowledgeable, qualified mm -hmm. um, than me. I know that. In my field or in my the, the area that I'm in, I know that. <laughs> Do I know it better than some? Yes, I will say that with confidence in what I've studied and everything. Um, I'm, and part of it is my life experience. And that's important. With our speaking, and I don't think, I don't call myself a public speaker or even a dai, just a, a regular Joe who knows something um, in my sphere that I can speak yeah. about. But as long as you're speaking to that and about that, everyone can do that if they've got the confidence to speak in that instance, to share that experience to share how the Dean has impacted upon them and how what insight they've got from that experience. Mm. That's very important, Abdurrahim, yeah. as I said. If and you're going there and the, like, the intention's not there, yeah. if the intention is incorrect, don't even start, forget yeah. it. I think you, you, you brought something up that's really nice. Like, so if people, and I think it's, you know what, one of the things I, one of the really uh, interesting positive things about you know going on tablich with tablich jamaat for example right is they they almost i think you know they force everybody who's with them at some stage to f stand up and give that talk about you know iman and yakin right you know like even if it's like so i think that you know public speaking in general whether it's for islam or not is a very very useful skill to have right but if someone is interested right at an agent and they like the idea that you know i would love to talk about islam i would love to you know um convey the message and convey that call right obviously work on your sincerity make sure you're doing it for allah but you know one of the ways you start is by you know talking to your family right telling stories i always encourage this sit down and tell your kids or your cousins your brothers and sisters right tell them the stories of the prophets tell them the stories of the anbiya right Tell them something, because that's literally how you're beginning to get used to public speaking. 
and tell the stories in a way that's engaging. You'll soon see if those little kids these days, right, are sitting there listening to you or not, right? Because that's the beginning of being able to understand how can you talk about something and, you know, that you care about? And I love that advice you give, you know, talk about, if you talk about something that you care about and that's important to you, you know, there's always this saying that I think is so true that, you know, what comes from the heart goes to the heart. Right. If it comes from your heart, it goes to the heart. And know? also, so let's, for example, yeah. what you're saying, we, we started out and I've seen he's come on, he's come on to this show and I want to, I want to give a shout out to him again. We both know him. You can you can detect from some of the newer Muslims, like when we were new, that they are speaking from the heart, that they have some good that they want to give. And I'm gonna I've done it before and I'll do it again. Jordan's come on and he's got his own yeah. platform. And I think the reason why things are resonating with others regarding Jordan is because he's speaking exactly to that. He's speaking from a point yeah. of sincerity and he's yeah. speaking from his experience and he's staying within his lane. And I think yeah. that that's what makes him popular and why he's he's, he's so popular at the moment. And Jazakallah Khair Jordan for that. So I think that that's what we need to be looking at. In, in this intention, sincerity is a very, very important thing. And we mustn't be distracted by the naysayers. There are always going to be naysayers that are actually there. Also, we've got to look at one thing. We have our limitations, okay? And, and we may make mistakes publicly, but we have our limitations. And I think that we should not be put on a pedestal in that particular instance. I think people need to take us. Yeah, as I mean we that's are. that's a that's a huge topic, bro, and that that's a worthy topic of maybe a whole nother discussion, isn't it? Um, the way that people, you know, elevate their scholars and you know du'at and imams and you know forgetting that they that's that they're human beings and they make mistakes, you know, and then we get so disappointed when we find that they've done some wrong thing or whatever, right? We get over disappointed and it's almost like people are ready to chuck out the religion because it's like, oh, I thought you were holy people, right? Yeah. And like, you know, it's like, no, not necessarily. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. Just because someone, exactly. someone can speak really well, it doesn't make them necessarily like any holier or any better, no. right? Than anyone else, right? No. Not at all, right? Um, like it's just like a skill set, you know, being able yeah. to speak well is, is a particular skill set that you can learn. It, it's not necessarily connected with, you know, piety, even to be honest, bro, even to be honest, you know, having the mind in order to be able to memorize hadith and Quran and, you know, and memorize the, you know, the rules of fiqh, that itself, again, does not necessarily make you a pious, righteous, righteous no. person. No, it right? doesn't. It if doesn't. you have a legal mind, you have that mind that is able to understand the legalities and the ins and outs, doesn't necessarily make you spiritually a pure person. No, right? no it doesn't. Uh, it just means that Allah has blessed you with a mind like that. And it's and it's good, alhamdulillah, that people use it for the deen. But That's right. Don't get, don't get disappointed when, you know, your heroes are human, right? I mean, exactly. at the end of the day, that you know, I guess that's what makes you know what makes a hero really a hero is that he is human and yet he still manages to achieve something. So that's, there's know? a lesson in this for everyone who's listening. So yeah. re remember, people, Spider-Man is fictitious, so is Superman. Okay, so yeah. the heroes <laughs> that you are holding up, they're fictitious. But even those guys, you know, what's good about those guys is they have their flaws, right? They, they have their weaknesses, you know, they have their human side, they make mistakes. It's like, that's part of, I guess that's the whole, the real point of that whole superhero stuff is 
at the end of it, they're just regular guys, right? They're That's just right. fallible human beings like anyone else, you know, like Spider-Man. He says, I just want to be your friendly locals, you know, neighborhood <laughs> Spider-Man, right? It's like, I don't want to do all of this big stuff, right? Just let me do the, let me do the community work. <laughs> but he, but the only thing is he's got to stop wearing these underwear on the, on the outside. Yeah, I think that that's, would that's help a bit, a come on, come that. on. A lot of them do that, bro. <laughs> but no, Brahim, even Black Panther, bro. Even Black Panther's got that skin tight suit, bro. Well, that, that's true. That's true. I, I have to concede there. We have to concede there. <laughs> oh, no, bro, listen, bro. I gotta go and um, join the family, bro. It's been it's been absolutely amazing. What an amazing conversation, bro. Uh, yes. Inshallah. So, what do you and think we... is is being a public speaker a piece of cake? Not entirely, but the reward no. and blessings that are there. I definitely don't it, think so. Yeah, it's not. But if the, no. but look, the reward at the end, if the intention's correct and we're doing it for Allah's sake, yeah. then we can't enumerate or count the blessings that are there. Who is better than he who calls to Allah and says that I am of yeah. the Muslims? Jazakallah. And let's let, let the people know that we're going to be coming at an earlier time next week, inshallah. Oh, yeah. um, an hour earlier. Um, so that we we can give you more of this piece of cake, inshallah. More cake. More cake. <laughs> <laughs> you can have your cake and it, you can eat it yeah, as well. Yeah, it's going to be high tea, six o'clock. So, uh, you know, supper, high tea, inshallah. And um, yeah, more of a piece of cake because we're finding this time for both of us a little bit awkward. So a bit earlier would work for both me and Abdul Haq better, inshallah. Inshallah. Bro, it's been fantastic talking to you again. Very interesting a great remembering the old days as well. In many ways, in many ways, alhamdulillah, they were good times, alhamdulillah. No, you know, may, like, may, Allah, okay. may Allah accept it from us and forgive us our shortcomings, bro. Amin, amin. Great to see you again, bro. And us, and you, and I look forward to seeing you next week and seeing our audience next week. Jazakum well, This classic. has been Abdurrahim Green. And Abdurrahim Baker. And this was? A piece of cake. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wa